something's going on contrary to the laws of the Doctor Who podcast. I must find out what. Leeson Fisher here, and oh my god, did things get back on track in this week's episode of Doctor Who, or as I like to call it, Attack of the Angels. Now I call it Attack of the Angels because like Attack of the Cybermen, this should have been the 13th Doctor's first episode. Oh, can you imagine if she'd opened on this? Oh, we'd have all been on board, wouldn't we? Uh, as it is, it's a little bit late in the day, but that doesn't take away from the fact that this was an incredible piece of Doctor Who. I had butterflies in my stomach. I was excited. Admittedly, my expectations had been lowered by Once Upon Time uh, the week before, which still is a bit patchy. I'm hoping that when we stick the landing... Uh, that's the phrase everyone's using when we stick the landing which i'm sure is going to happen because i'm an optimist that episode that that weird sort of midpoint episode will make an awful lot more sense so what did i like about uh, attack of the angels uh it's set in a village it's set in a weird village which when you get to the edge of the village it's just the universe so you've got that lovely contained classic doctor who plot uh, it reminded me of curse of fenric devil's end oh, it was just oh, it was just so many delicious classic who flavors to to savor it just gave me goosebumps it gave my partner goosebumps and she has been very 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 down on this era of doctor who we both were blown away by how much we we enjoyed it. Scary angels, the angels' law of diminishing returns went out the window in this one because the angels were great again. Lots of different fantastic ways to use them. I just wasn't expecting it to be better than average, let alone very, very, very good. Ah, the other thing, I, I enjoyed the Doctor and... and I don't mean that to be disparaging, but I quite often haven't really felt like the 13th Doctor has been the Doctor. She's very she's very funny, and there are moments when I do laugh out loud at various aspects of the performance and sort of the way certain lines are delivered and certain physicalities of the performance. But there's often a little bit in my mind which sort of says, wow, wouldn't it be great if the Doctor turned up? And I have felt like this about other Doctors in the past. I used to feel this about the Seventh Doctor. I remember loving Remembrance of the Daleks, but just watching it and thinking, oh, yeah, but I wish the Doctor was in this and not this person. But I grew to love him and his Machiavellian schemes. And at one time, I never thought that would be possible. And maybe over time, that will happen with the Thirteenth Doctor. So it was just a beauty of an episode. 
It's reignited my love. I'm all warm and tingly again. And... Two, three, four, Kate, Lethbridge Stewart, you're in the show again. Kate, Lethbridge Stewart, I can't wait to see you chasing aliens. Kate, Lethbridge Stewart, you're not as good as your dad. But Kate, Lethbridge Stewart, I'll take you any day over most of the characters from the new one. Because they are not so good. I know that you're a red grave, and that's a massive help. But you're still blooming brilliant, even when you're being quiet. Blah, 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 blah. So we can edit this. It's fine. It's not live. No, 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 no. It's good to have a run in. It's good to have a run. Leave the mouse alone. Step away from the mouse. This is the Doctor Who podcast. I'm Leeson Fisher. And here's J&T. And we're, you don't have to shout, and we're here to talk about Once Upon Time. We've got a few things to say about it. I've got one thing to say about it that I forgot to say about it last week. What have you got to say? I've got a question. Oh, straight after the questions. Wait, no, I've got to answer a question. Oh, oh, should we go, should we do that now? Do you want to do that now? Do you want to do that later? No, we'll do it later. Let's do it later. Yeah, yeah, leave them alone. We want to surprise you. You've got to stay in the podcast to listen. To my answer to the question... Too close. Sorry. Just just about here, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, just yeah, talk, yeah. talk as you normally would do, but about here. Right? Oh, Happy? Uh, yeah, yeah. Happy teacup? Yeah. I could get a sofa. Imagine me with a sofa, like my own sofa. I could get a, a purple one and sit on it. So, what did you think? To Once Upon Time. Um, I didn't like. I didn't really like it. Really? Why? That's interesting. Um, one because you didn't really get to see most uh, monsters. Which monsters? There was a Cyberman. There was Daleks. There was loads of Cybermen. Loads of Daleks. The Daleks were floating. What? What's not to like? Uh, well, they were all stuck in this time warp, and they weren't actually doing a mission. Well, they were, but. But, like, it wasn't, like, proper, and they weren't together, and it was kind of boring. You did wander off for a little while at one point, didn't you? Is that because you just weren't interested? Yeah. i tell you what uh, occurred to me. What? Okay, first off, did you like the new Daleks floating? Oh, yeah, futuristic. Nice. So they're quite nice. They're a little thinner, aren't they? But they're back to being gold, and they float. Uh, And the Cybermen. Do you like the Cybermen? Yeah. They've got the old-fashioned Cybermen heads, but new bodies. They're like a mashup. Stop fiddling! Destroy them. So I like those, but i tell you what I noticed right towards the end. What? This has been happening all the way through Flux. Stop fiddling. Yeah. Uh, is you get the TARDIS doors are in different parts of the TARDIS. When you open the TARDIS... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, this was my favourite one to date, except it wasn't. So they opened the TARDIS doors, they stuck their head up, and they actually came up from the floor... You remember? Yeah, 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 that was weird. It was really good though, wasn't it? But then, when they got in the TARDIS, they just walked in like normal. But what they should be doing is crawling in and pulling themselves in if it's on the floor, shouldn't they? Yeah. So they simultaneously did an amazing thing that wasn't very good at the same time. Well, what if it was like a ladder? Well, I don't think it was adequately explained. Could have been something you never know. I'd love to have seen them hoiking themselves in as if they were coming up through the floor. Exactly. That was a brilliant chat that we just had about a subject. This is a sting to break up things and make our show sound more professional.
No. Would you like some questions? Yes, how many have I got? I can come up with 375, but we've only got time to do two. Ah. Which one would you like first? Do the first one or the second one? First. Okay, the first one is from Drew, a fellow co-host of the Doctor Who podcast, mm-hmm. who says, uh, if you could choose any, and he means any, so we're talking classic Doctor Who and new Who, Doctor Who villains... Silence it! ...could potentially return... Silence it, guys. ...at the end of the Flux. Ones no, there was no ones with no mouth. The silence? Yeah, the silence. <gasps> Maybe they have already returned and you just can't remember. Oh, yeah, that would poop, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, well, the ice warriors are quite good. Would you care for some tea? That would be very nice, thank you. And we've got another question from Bob74. He says... Oh, oh, I like his name. Mm. Hit subscribe, folks. And once you subscribe, please hit the notification Bob74 says... Uh, old-fashioned Sontarans... New Sontarans or new old-fashioned Sontarans? <laughs> old-fashioned. The old-fashioned ones. The one like that... the ones in the fourth Doctor. Yes, the proper gnarly potato ones. The ones that lick their lips. Like that. And they're such in cups that go like... You're thinking of Zygons again. Oh, yeah. Actually, actually, the new Sontarans... What are Sontarans? Oh, yeah, they're... Son- potato heads. They did a bit of lick-lipping, didn't they? Yeah, because they're... Because of potatoes. Oh. And they want to taste their salty skin. <laughs> the potato goodness. <laughs> uh. And the really salty crisps. Anyway, do you have anything else to say? Or is it time for us to go for one more week? Oh, another week? Yeah, another week. Yeah, another week. Oh, please, no. You'll be another week older next time we speak to you. You'll be another week wiser. You'll probably have more words to say. Some of them in the right order. Go, go. I've, I've got something. Okay. I need a guitar. Wait one minute, I'm going out of the room. He's staying in the room, he's lying. He's already become like a liability in terms of a co-host. Whoa. What the flux was that? <laughs> I can play the guitar now and I'm very talented. Right, <laughs> right you ready? No. To those of you out there that know since you've been gone by Rainbow, uh, um, uh, yeah, I can do the intro. That's absolutely fantastic, but I think on that note... I think I can do Smoke on the Water as well for those you like. I can also do one more song. If it's Stairway to Heaven, I'm going to pull the plug. It is Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> no, it isn't. Right, it's what well, white strips. Some nationality. The white strips? Yeah, the white strips. <laughs> okay. What an intense episode. That was so intense. Did I mention intense? Hey, it's Brent, and of course we're all talking about Flux Part 4, Village of the Angels. Four for four so far in my book. Uh, This has got to be the best series of Doctor Who in quite some time. I haven't been this excited about Doctor Who in years. Like, excited enough to where you can hardly wait for the next episode. That excited? Could this be Whitaker's Heaven Sent? Who knows? We get a callback to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. That was cool. We get angels that are proper scary again. 
and we get a fantastic new element of an angel appearing inside someone. And even more information about the Division. I've always thought they were either the CIA that was mentioned in the Deadly Assassin or at least something similar to it. Chibnall really needs to get on his bicycle to tie all these threads up in just two more episodes, but who knows, maybe some of them will spread out over the next year of specials. One thing I wanted to address, and it's not a negative, just an observation. So this one was set on November 21st, which is also its air date. The first one was set on Halloween, which is also its air date. That means this production team has known for months, at least, when they were going to air this series, and they didn't even bother to promote it until about two weeks before it aired. That's not very smart. Unless they wanted to prevent someone from targeting all their air dates and drop something big on another station. But judging by the ratings this year, they should have been promoting this for at least a couple of months. Which is a shame because, like I said, I think it's a great season and I'm hoping more people will see it now that it's available. And anyway, another smashing cliffhanger with the Doctor turning into an angel and then the almost semi-silent credits which added to the eeriness of the situation. I thought that was smart. Anyway, see you next week for Survivors of the Flux. Scott here again with another of Scott's reviews and this week we're going to be talking about Village of the Angels. So what do you think of this one, Scott? It was good. It's really good. It the was ending really... was scary though. Oh, do you want to talk about that first? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So the Doctor's turned into a weeping angel and the, the division of Recorda as well. I had no idea what that means. Well, they've asked it to go back. That's what Joe Martin's Doctor was part of, wasn't it? The division. Ah. Or division, whatever they're calling it these days. I thought the Weeping Angels were going to hand over her memories, but... Ah, the double-cross the Doctor. Yes. Yeah. That so... was a bit dumb of her to not know that they were going to lie. I know, the, do- the the Doctor was a little bit um, slow on the uptake this week, wasn't she? she yeah, didn't really... although it, it was kind of hard to keep up because then he had a Weeping Angel somewhere. Um, Yaz and Dan in another what in the past, and then you had a time portal... Mm. to another area that gets you lost in space. I know. Three things to keep, but you know, four things. That looked good, that bit, though, didn't it? With the earth falling away and it was just in space outside the village. That looked really cool, that bit, didn't it? Then how could they get in space? The angels did it. And took them out out of... Bad, bad angels. Bad, bad bad angels, indeed. So... What did you think, then, when you saw the Doctor turn into an angel? It was a bit, whoa, what's going on now, isn't it? I I didn't... I mean, I don't know how she would have got turned into the angels. Normally, everyone would think, oh, she's going to stop it with her sonic screwdriver, but no. 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 She's into a weeping angel. For once. Angel. Yeah, for once. Creepy. It was, wasn't it? I wonder what the next episode's going to be about. Is the Doctor going to return in the next episode? doesn't look like it. <laughs> no, it doesn't, actually, is it? Or, that's well, it's, So what about um, when Yaz and Dan, they went back to 1901, didn't they, to find that little girl who's the old lady in 1967? I, I, 
I That's have, weird, isn't it? I have to say it looked more like the year they were already in where the Doctor was in. It didn't look anything like 1901 to me. Well, it did a little bit because there weren't any proper roads. It was old, like, muddy muddy roads and everything. They hadn't put yeah. sort of tarmac down because there wasn't anything like that then. But not like in 1967. But but Dan didn't do a lot this week, did he? Apart from not like his, in the bang last, his torch and that was it. Not like in the last episode when he walked us on Tyron in the face. Or is that the second episode? That was the second episode, yeah. Walk us on Tyron. Take that. What was it again? Some With a walk. We hit the... Walk Tyron. Walk Tyron. Walk Tyron. Okay. So what about... Um, so yeah, was it Professor Jericho? I thought he was good, actually. I thought he was a, he was a good... Um, good character because he wasn't arguing with the doctor was he he just sort of got on with what he would what needs to be done like a like a scientist well he was part of like the army so that would kind of make sense he was yes so he would just be able so he's, he would probably be really good at listening to what are they called uh, orders yes orders yeah exactly so we got um an angel living inside claire i thought it Wait, how did the angel get inside of Claire when the weeping angel that attacked her wasn't actually the person that went into well, her Well, it's that whole thing again because it was an image of an angel itself becomes an angel. Right. It's that thing again. So the image was in her mind. It's like, the bit of, um, like that bit of paper on the fire, wasn't it? It was an angel ah. the doctor ripped up. How, why did, why, how did they get back together? Oh, it's the power of the angel, isn't it? it, 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 it it's the image of an angel again. Instead of the doctor putting the fire on the picture, I think she should have put the fire on the weeping angel because stone and fire don't match. Do no, they? they don't really, do they? It spreads like wood does. Yeah, she should have just burnt it immediately, really. It was too late. Yes. So he saw the angel on fire as so he's trying to reach out to Claire, wasn't it? So what was the scariest bit for you? The ending. The ending with yes. the doctor? Although the scary part was when Dan was flashing his torch a bit because it was like... And all the jump scares what the weeping angels did. I thought it was really good, actually. I thought it was it was really well done. It was like it was a really scary. scary, scary horror film, wasn't it? Yes. But I don't know what else to say. You don't know what else to say about this one? Yeah. It was just a lot of angels, wasn't it? It was like one one scene. But you did have um Vinder and Bell again, didn't we? When we saw Azua yeah. catch all those people in the passenger. So we saw a little bit more about their story this week, didn't we? Yeah. Not a lot though. No. Not as much as the week before. No. Did but you not did you not enjoy that bit then? Mm, it was kind of confusing because how did I don't know if he was on the planet at the time, so I don't know. Who who was on the planet? Vinda. No, he missed he her. He missed her, didn't he? And then she left the message for him. And it ran out before she could give him the coordinates of where she was going to be. So he's still got, uh, he's still searching for. How her, did the it? message run out? Just run out of time. Like a bit like when you do voice calls. Yeah, I don't see why it would run out actually, because there's no actual length on leaving a message. But yeah. don't even do that now, let alone in the future. Unless I don't know. It was a plot contrivance, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. It was good though, and it was a mid-credits scene as well, wasn't it? It broke the credits up at the end. Yeah, I don't know why it broke the. Like credits. Marvel, like a Marvel film. Why did it break the credits up? Though? Just something different. I thought it was good. I liked it. I, I don't know what else to say, so I'm just gonna do my rating. <laughs> oh um, yeah, okay, you're rating yes. then. Okay. Can you do just some more points? Or is um, it just holes? 
Well, it's how, well, you did a six. Well, it's six point five for your first yes. episode, so you can do decimal points if you want. But nine point five. Nine point five. Not a ten, though. No. You rated last week's a ten, didn't you? And the week before. Oh no! So there's a nine point five. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, fair yes. enough. Fair enough. Okay, then so there you are, folks. That is Scott's rating for Village of the Angels, nine point five, and it was scary. Yeah. And how's the doctor going to get out of this? Can you wait? Can't you wait for next week now? No, I can't. No, me neither. Actually, I can't. I can't see how she gets out of this. Only two episodes to go. No. I know. I know. But we won't have long to wait though for the New Year's Day one, though, will we? No. No, that's good. Okay. Oh well. And all the Christmas oh. one. That's what I mean. It's New Year's Day, yeah. isn't it? That's when it comes out. Good. Okay, everybody. Well, that's up for. That's it from us for another week. So back to the camper van. It's November 23rd, 2021. Happy 58th anniversary, Doctor Who. In a moment, I'll take part in my annual tradition and watch an unearthly child, the perfect end cap to a weekend full of Doctor Who geekery. You see, I just got back from New York's Long Island Who convention, which really hammered home how disappointing the change from Saturday nights to Sunday nights are, since, well, I think this episode would have been a lot more fun had we be able to watch it as a group. And speaking of groups... Even though I haven't listened to Sunday's episode of the DWP, James has assured me that, quote, this week will be packed with positivity like no other, end quote. Well then, James and company, let's start with negative. Folks, I am getting worried. Seriously, seriously worried. We only have two episodes of Flux left, and if we don't have a really bad episode soon, I mean a real stinker, I don't know what James is going to do. Village of the Angels was a corker, wasn't it? It harkened back to those terrifying children's fair of the late 70s and early 80s. I mean, I got a real Children of the Stones vibe off of this one. And I will say this. If this storyline were running through all six parts of Flux, I mean, like, the entirety of Flux was something else, not Flux, was just Village of the Angels, I would not complain. Now, what I will complain about is the exposition dumps, because every time I'm settling in for some quality who, Chibnall gives Whitaker a mouthful of clunky explanations for the not-we-at-home. Remember, Drew, we're punching up. We're punching up. Jamie Magnus Stone's direction was... I mean, it was fantastic. I know you're not supposed to notice directorial flourishes, but when you review TV as a hobby, I mean, you just you can't help it. The visuals were great, the lighting was top-notch, the pairing theme of doubling throughout, like that mirroring that was going on just across this episode, done well and done tastefully. You know, not drawing your attention to it so heavy-handedly. What else do we get? Good CGI, the acting by all the supporting cast was just off the charts. I love a creepy kid in both past-present and future-past-present Peggy. All well done. Uh, even though I saw that one coming a mile away. And speaking of a mile away, did I call the intentional weeping angel time travel or what? Episode one, folks. Go back and listen. You can't see it, but I'm doing a little dance. I haven't watched a single next time trailer all season, and I'm not about to start now, but considering this week's cliffhanger, I'm pretty jazzed to see what happens next. Well, hello, listeners. Ian here to give my 
somewhat belated thoughts on Village of the Angels, which I've actually managed to watch twice since broadcast now. And I'm afraid I'm going to be really boring and just go with the same theme as all the hosts of our first review episode. I thought it was brilliant. I mean, easily the best of this season. I think quite possibly the best of the Jodie Whittaker era. And honestly, the best Doctor Who I've seen in... Oh, I can't even count how many years at this point. A long time. I think it managed to perfectly thread the needle between something modern, that modern fans and modern viewers will enjoy, while still being incredibly evocative of classic Who. In fact, I had such a strong vibe of the Philip Hinchcliffe era, uh, a beloved part of classic Who. And this story totally could have been told in that era. In fact, in my mind's eye, I can see the Doctor and Leela, the fourth Doctor and Leela, walking around that village. I can even imagine the slightly ropey CSO effects as they walk up to the edge of the village and there's space. You can all, you can almost visualise how the 70s Doctor Who special effects team would have tried to realise something like that. And, you know, the, 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 the base under siege stuff in the basement, again, classic Hinchcliffe era stuff. You could, I could, again, I could see that set and how the 70s crew would have built it. And it would have looked different. It would have been more studio but it, I can just totally see it. I can picture the whole thing. So I find it massively evocative of what is a very beloved era of classic Who. It equally, it wasn't backwards looking. It wasn't some sort of navel-gazing fan indulgence. It was a modern, fun, engaging story that I think everywhere, I say fun, it was incredibly tense. It was such a tense story. Uh, really ratcheted up the tension throughout the whole story, kept you going. Some wonderful performances stand out for me which i've not seen many people talk about was kevin mcnally as professor jericho absolutely brilliant performance totally nailed it again something you could very much see from that era of, of being a robert holmes writing characters like that loved it absolutely loved it I, I thought the whole team was on form the only slightly odd note for me was the side stories to bell and the planet with the passenger and hey 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 and it's not that they were bad. I mean, they were perfectly... I'm actually enjoying Belle. I think Belle's a great character. And I'm enjoying following her story. But right at the, in the, sort of the heart of this creepy nighttime village full of angels with the tension and the everything, suddenly we're on a brightly lit planet and other things are happening. It just took me out. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, the confusing... I can't keep my head around all this stuff that we've had in previous weeks. I just thought it broke the tension and broke the mood. Maybe it was deliberate. Maybe they thought we needed to lighten the tone a bit because it at times was quite relentless. And maybe they were thinking of the kids or maybe they just like to throw a lot of stuff in the air. That seems to be the theme this year. But yeah, it wasn't bad. But I just, I was slightly, oh, I don't I don't want to go away. I'm loving this. I want, I want more of this. Keep me in the village, please. I want more of the village. So yeah, I mean, there's not a massive amount I can say above what the others have said in terms of the quality of the episode. I think the quality speaks for itself. I think we might actually have a rare... DWP home run. I've not heard everyone's views yet, but I think everyone's going to like this. I've not heard anyone really in fandom at the moment say anything particularly negative about this story. It seems to be a standout. I think it's a, quite possibly going to be a modern classic. The thing that might hold it back is, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to say those words again, do they stick the landing on Flux as a season? If they stick the landing, this will be the cherry on the what's going to be a fabulous cake. If they muck it up, and if Flux ends up being seen with hindsight as being something of a failure it might drag this story down a little bit 
with sort of the halo effect. But in and of itself, I thought it was a great story. I think it has the, all the makings of a modern classic. We've been doing a little bit of kooky theorising, and I was intrigued by what uh, James and the others were saying in the last cast about the possible impending reset button. And it has got me thinking about one possible way that might play out. Uh, and, you know, bearing in mind, we, we still don't really know what's going on with the division and all this kind of stuff. But something that has occurred to me is that what Chibnall has established is a mechanism by which the Doctor's personal slate has been regularly wiped clean throughout the Doctor's life. And we've mostly been looking at that through the lens of looking backwards at the previous lives that were wiped away and the memory gone, and the fact that, in particular, what we thought of as being the first Doctor, the Hartnell Doctor, wasn't, even though actually subjectively to the Doctor that was his first incarnation. I wonder if maybe the reset button that's going to be pushed is to do that again and so we're going to go to a future incarnation of the Doctor in the show who cannot remember the whole show's history. That would be a massively bold thing to do to effectively reset the clock right back to an unearthly child with a new Doctor with no memory discovering the universe for the first time. But I can also see a certain attraction to it. Doctor Who has of late got a little bit laden down with its own mythology. And the universe building has got so heavy. And there's so many things to bear in mind. And there's so much history. I love it. Modern history. I don't know. I'm, it's it's definitely... Kooky. Theory. <laughs> of the week. Territory. But I wonder if actually between the flux and the division and the doctor's memory wipes, what we're actually going to see is a, a reset button the like of which we've never seen before. And perhaps when RTD takes the helm, it will be with a fresh doctor that is literally a new first doctor that has no memory. And, and I can imagine stories where the Jodie Whittaker doctor sacrifices herself to save companions, the universe, human race, Earth, whatever, you know. It would be a sacrifice story of, okay, I'll submit to the memory wipe again to save blah, blah, blah. But that's an intriguing idea, I thought, because for all the fan in me immediately screams horror at the idea of, you can't wipe away 60 years of canon. It would be quite liberating to just wipe the slate clean and actually be able to just start with a whole new canon, a whole new thread and not have to worry about all the baggage that we're carrying around. It's probably not going to happen. But I just thought, that's fascinating. And it is, you know, could that be what Chibnall's been building up to, and what all of this has been throughout his whole era, was being able to do this universal reset that's actually resetting the show as much as it's resetting the story within the show. Anyway, that was my thoughts. Looks like next week we're going back into the more confusing, fluxy stuff. Hold on tight, folks, because we're about to go loop the loop again. And I'm sure I'll be back to talk to you more about it next time. Good morning, dear listeners. This is Michelle again on Wednesday morning, bright and early, just having come off a run uh, where I was listening, probably as some of you do, to the Doctor Who podcast and having all these responses in my mind that I wished I could put in or had put in when we were recording uh, on Sunday. And so I thought I'd take the opportunity to add a couple of thoughts 
to what we recorded then. First off is that I um, wanted to clarify about the passenger forms. James and Phil were wondering why Azure and Swarm were collecting everybody in these passenger forms, and I said, well, maybe it's to repopulate the next universe. I wasn't meaning that the, the baddies would want to do that. Probably they have more nefarious plans. Uh, but no, I was thinking in terms of a plot device, that if we do hit a big reset button uh, and need to repopulate a, a new universe or an alternate universe, that we have all these passenger forms full of lots of people that, that could be used. So, so that's a thought. I do think a, a reset button may happen, and uh, either we start a new universe or a new timeline, or we find out that we have been in an alternate timeline or alternate universe for this uh, flux story, but we'll see. The second one, um, I'm really intrigued by the question of why do weeping angels weep? Have we explored that? I can't remember where we, whether we have an explanation for that yet on screen. And if we do, dear listeners, you know, I know that you will <laughs> remind me and I will be grateful for it. But, but have, we, have we answered the question, why do weeping angels weep? This week we saw a rogue angel who clearly was unhappy with its position on Division trying to get away from that. We also saw the doctor recalled to Division, which she clearly was not happy about. And uh, so I wonder why it is that weeping angels weep and whether it has anything to do with their connection to Division, their contract with Division, their servitude to Division. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. Looking forward to hearing what the rest of the camper van has to say and looking forward to what you all have to say. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Take care.
He's stuck in 1969 on your DVDs Just listen very carefully to what he's got to say Do not turn your back on him and don't look away Cause if they get inside the TARDIS then the sun will go out Just go down to the cellar and show them what you're about They move faster than you could ever believe Don't let the light go out and don't be naive Just don't blink I said don't blink Then you'll work out the link But even though it's ended Please be sure not to blink